Outlooks, and the relative humidity is 86%. The news and weather from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. Uh, I'm Jim Gould. Uh, today's uh, guest presenter is uh, Brian Wong, but uh, Brian's been a, a little bit uh, delayed, so uh, hopefully he'll be uh, joining us uh, shortly. Uh, we do have a studio guest, though. Paul Zimmerman is with us, the CEO of Designing Hong Kong. Good morning, Paul. Uh, we're here today to uh, talk about uh, the possible upgrade of the road network on Lantau Island. Uh, the Secretary for Development, uh, Bernadette Lin, has said the aim would be to promote sustainable development and secure uh, better connections between the north and south sides of the island by improving transport infrastructure. The plan could involve bringing the old Tung Chung Road back into use and expanding sections of uh, several other roads in stages, including South Lantau Road, Kangshan Road and Tayo Road. After 9.45, we're going to be looking at a study led by scientists from the Baptist University on COVID-19 infection, which it's hoped could lead to more effective treatments for those with weak immune systems and who are unable to take the vaccine. You can let us know what you think on our Facebook page at Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 I'm happy to say that uh, uh, Brian Wong has now joined us. Uh, good morning to you, Brian. Morning to you too. Okay. Uh, just before we move on to our main topic uh, today, uh, I'd just like to read uh, an email left over from yesterday. Um, this was uh, a discussion that we were having on uh, mental health and a link that's been discovered between a, a lack of sleep, essentially, and, uh, and long COVID and mental health issues uh, such as... Um, uh, depression and other problems. Uh, uh, email from Bowen said, uh, Dear Backchat, uh, more people in our society should be aware that mental health problems have a, a biological basis, just like other illnesses. Uh, the other thing that is uh, 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 mental health is illness have a hereditary element. Uh, recurrent unipolar depression is 35% uh, due to hereditary factor factors. The figure for uh, bipolar disorder is as high as 55%. Uh, that from Bowen. Uh, thank you very much. Um, again, if you want to get in touch, um, uh, our email address is backchat at rthk.hk. Facebook page, backchat on rthk radio 3, or call us on 233-88266. Joining us now, as well as uh, Paul Zimmerman, as mentioned uh, in the studio, we have on the line uh, Ryan Ip of the Our Hong Kong Foundation. He's uh, Vice President and Co-Head of Research. And also Louise Preston, Chairman of the Living Islands Movement. Um, uh, good morning to all our guests. Uh, uh, perhaps uh, Louise Preston, if we could start with you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. So I guess the, the question is, um, in your view, I mean, do we need uh, better transport connections between the north and the south of Lantau? We have two major issues at the moment which... Uh, involve transport on South Lantau. And those are, firstly, the waiting time for buses from Tung Chung to South Lantau. On a Friday evening and throughout Saturday and Sunday, that is around two hours at minimum, often up to three or four hours. And secondly, the other major issue is the number of road traffic accidents caused by speeding through the villages. And what we need are simple speed calming measures such as road humps or, or speed cameras indeed. 
okay, so you'd be looking at those rather than uh, development or widening the roads or straightening them out and, and easing Ab the curves and that sort of thing? South London can't cope with the current volume of traffic. So improving the infrastructure to allow more traffic is adding to the problem rather than alleviating it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Ryan Ip, um so uh, in terms of uh, improving transport links between North and South Lantau, I mean, we've got to think about uh, the whole island as a whole. Uh, uh, the, the government talks about uh, developing the North, preserving the South. Of course, the, the, what was the East Lantau metropolis, now the Gaui Chawa artificial islands are going to come into this picture as well, aren't they? Um, um, what do you think the priorities should be here in terms of uh, development and preservation? I think uh, the proposed road improvements actually make sense uh, in terms of uh, resiliency because uh, we all know that there's only one uh, road that connecting the South and North Island, which is a Tongshan Road, uh, which is the only vehicle access. And, you know, in terms of major incidents, uh, the road traffic uh, connecting South Island with the external areas will be seriously affected. So that is not ideal uh, in terms of resilience. And also, you know, the, uh, the Kunsan Road connecting uh, uh, that and Tayo has steep gradients and sharp bends, you know, and some of the road sections, which could also be improved to increase uh, road uh, safety. Uh, but of course, on the other hand, as you said, as you mentioned, uh, the government has an overarching principle of developing the, uh, in the north uh, conservation uh, for the stock. So, um, and, and also, at the same time, uh, currently, uh, the, all the roads uh, in the South Island are closed roads, uh, which means uh, the visitors would need to apply for a limited number of permits to end up. So I think um, the improvement in infrastructure uh, would be, uh, first of all, to improve the resiliency of the uh, transport of uh, South Lantau. Uh, but not necessarily uh, in terms of increasing the traffic or bringing more people uh, into, into the South End Town. And of course, uh, those another two improvements in terms of the speed limit uh, 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 regulations and also more public transport, as, uh, as mentioned okay. by another guest, uh, is also uh, necessary in this. So, uh, I Ryan, um, essentially, Secretary for Development Bernadette has said that the aim is to promote sustainable development. Could you perhaps just unpack for the audience here, what do you think she means by sustainable development here? Is it to do with the environment? Is it to do with the society? Or is there more to sort of the governance side and aspects of Lantau? So, so could you spell out the principle there for us? Thank you. I think uh, what she means is uh, a better uh, a balances between uh, development and conservation. Uh, it, it means, I think, what she means is, while at the same time we have to conserve for the uh, for the for the areas, we have uh, we have to uh, promote uh, a you know better transportation link between the areas and the outside areas. So in terms of there is accidents or in terms of you know other things happens, it is easier to connect uh, the the areas with the outside areas. Thank you. And just bring in Paul here, perhaps. Um, Paul, what's your prognosis here? What's your assessment of the uh, trajectory of the new design of roads on Lantau? Are you optimistic 
well, uh, solves anything. I think we all have to be aware that there was a study done into the uh, transport network f uh, with and to and from and through uh, over Lantau. And um, uh, it, this is uh, kind of marked in there as a minor uh, immediate urgent improvement measure. Um, uh, the actual proposal includes far more and far more substantial infrastructure. And so the, the question really is where government wants to go. And, and I think they haven't been clear on the amount of capacity that they want to build for Lantau. And I think we need a clear view. Now, let's take example. Taiho, um, it, it was very unpleasant to visit before, uh, before uh, we closed down the city uh, because there were basically too many people for the very small lanes and for the infrastructure that was there. So there is a real quota constraint, like the number of people that, that is going to be, it can be too much for the little place that you have there. So uh, to what extent do you want to then increase capacity? Are you going to overload the area? Uh, or are you then going to develop a, a theme park around Tayo? What is the ultimate plan that you design for? And we really got to get some clarity around that. The second thing, and I think Sai Kung is a great example. We got the Hiram's Highway, which is not really a highway. It was a two-lane road. And if you look at the upgrading of Hiram's Highway that we have seen in the last several years for the first section, it has been turned from a, a lovely a green road into a highway structure with concrete barriers, with uh, sound barriers around it, steel sound barriers. The whole thing has turned into a real highway, the way we know it. So you leave highways department to these kind of improvement projects, and they turn a lovely scenic road into a massive scar and this is what we i think we're at risk seeing to going to happen here too that the standards for the design of the roads and these road improvements are um are not to create a scenic road that is in line with the the, the whole appreciation of southland tower as as a green conservation area so can we have other standards and highways department, I don't know whether they're going to give us a good answer to that one. And so the question will really be whether the Lantau Development Office is going to ensure that we're going to design the roads to a different standard that is going to keep conservation in mind and an outlook and scenic values and so on. So that we're going to have a different outlook for those any improvement measures. Mm. Uh, Louise, Louise Preston. I think there's also a huge opportunity here to look for more creative solutions, such as, for example, increasing the number of ferries that go from Tung Chung to Taiyo. At the moment, there are around four a day, but our ocean provides a very obvious solution to some of the transport issues if indeed the existing conservation areas such as Tayo can cope with increased capacity of visitors. I fully agree with Louise on that one. And the problem really is for Hong Kong is that these ferries are supposed to run on a commercial principle and they're not subsidized. But we do subsidize the construction of the roads. Correct. So the government tends to you know, kind of go for this solution of putting massive road infrastructure and spend a lot of money in one go. And instead of subsidizing an, an, a ferry that between uh, Taiyo and Tung Chung, which a high-speed ferry there will be a fantastic solution to get the capacity to get the visitors in and out uh, within the capacity of that village. Uh, Ryan, I mean, there has been talk of, a, of, uh, of building a new road between uh, Tung Chung and uh, Taiyo, hasn't there, around the, the sort of uh, uh, mm. north northern part of the island? Uh, um, um, what, what do you think of that idea, though, about uh, um, increasing ferry traffic? Yeah, I, 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 actually, I, I absolutely do agree. Um, 
啊，會選會選啊 ，consider introducing 啊 more water transport services 啊 ，to complement the land-based transport。And and apart from that, I also think the government should actually、uh, take this opportunity to really holistically consider the capacity、uh, to receive visitors for land town. Because、uh, if we quote a study completed by the Sustainable Land Town Office、uh, back in last year, actually. Uh, there are some individual locations, such as Taiyo,、uh, and also、uh, Tongchong Town Centre.、Uh, they were overcrowded with visitors at peak hours, at weekends and holidays, as most of them、uh, visit these places during the peak hours. So I think、um, the government can actually consider how can we improve、uh, this situation and take this as an, an opportunity. I think there are few things, a few things that the government. Uh, can consider one is to actually enhance the public transportation services and also the supporting service, and also to better、uh, disseminate the information on public transport services and also the walkability、uh, between Tongchong Town Centre and also、uh, the development pier, and also to really explore the provision of crowded information at tourist spots. And one last thing is can.、Uh, Can explore provision of diversified,、uh, sustainable leisure and recreational facilities at different locations、uh, in Nantou to provide visitors with different experience and sort of with help diverse the visitors、uh, from consent from 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 these three concentrated locations. So Ryan, you 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 know that、uh, there are there are people with with an interest in development of Lantau、uh, that have land ownings in Li Yi Or and and other places around Lantau who are very keen and have been promoting for a long time together with the Hungi Cook representatives on the district council to really increase road capacity dramatically to <coughs> unlock the development potentials of those areas and so that's kind of lurking in the background. Are you are you agreeing with us that we should not give in to those kind of demands, but that we should constrain the、uh, the infrastructure development to the capacity of of the villages and the、uh, and the、uh, tourism facilities that we currently have, or do you see、um, do you want to go beyond that? Do you want to really、uh, develop dramatically the South Lantau? I think we I think we have to be very careful.、Uh, first of all, we have to. Very prudently consider the environmental and ecological impacts、uh, arising from the construction works. You know, when studying the local road improvement proposals, because at the end of the day, the government has indeed set a overarching principle of development in the north and conservation for the south. So I think、uh, whatever construction, whatever improvement that the government is going to propose,、uh, they have to you know with this、uh, principle in mind. I, I just have to、uh, also note one thing that、uh, I think we need to get clarity on.、Um, there is currently one Tungchung Road, that is the new Tungchung Road, and the old Tungchung Road runs in parallel for the section going up the hill from、uh, from Tungchung to the Gap.、Um, and I haven't seen the government suggesting that they're going to put in a second Tungchung Road using the old road, but however that they're going to widen the new Tungchung Road using the the old Tungchung Road that lays next to it. So they're going to make it、uh, basically a, f- a four-lane road going up and downhill for that particular section,、uh, from from what I can see. But I think we need some clarity on that because if they do that, turning that two-lane road into a four-lane road, I think that's when the scarring of the environment becomes so obvious. 
I also think that much of this, by the way, turns on probably where not there is a demonstrable and proven demand and also need for uh, you know, the number of lanes being expanded or increased as such. Or alternatively, if the objectives really are to promote ecotourism and interactions with land tower, and I'm going to bring in Louise here, perhaps uh, the argument could be made that they are more sustainable means of transportation and methods of accessing um, the south of Lentau without uh, a new road construction. But Louise, uh, what's your take on this? You know, it, it, what's the objective here? I totally agree that there are other ways of bringing people to South Lantau which don't create such a, a deep footprint on our natural environment. And we have mentioned ferry transport via the ocean. And I would like to see that explored before any expensive studies are taken into building new tunnels and roads and indeed viaducts. Secondly, I think what's really important is the need for a holistic approach to development in the north and conservation in the south. So, for example, Sustainable Land Chow Office has produced many plans talking about their ideas for ecotourism. And one of these involves using the old Tung Chung Road, I think, to access butterfly environments. So it's very, very strange to hear another department from the government proposing to reopen that old road for vehicle transport. Yeah. So a, a holistic approach is, is clearly absolutely urgently needed here. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Because the, the old Tung Chung Road from the south side up to the up to the gap at the top is uh, is is just entirely now sort of uh, uh, unused apart from being a pedestrianised and I think cyclists use it as well, don't they? Correct, yes. correct. Yeah. 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 So, and on the on that issue of footpaths and cycling track, I mean, if we're going to make any improvements along uh, Kung Shan um, at, and uh, road, uh, why not improve the the footpaths as well? There's some sections footpath missing when you uh, when you go up and down that road. So, the kind of, you know. It's not just about cars, and what we see here is that the immediate measures that are considered are the ones for the cars instead of uh, for pedestrians and cyclists as well. So uh, shifting the priority in terms of where we where we put our money, in the, where the first money is being put, where the first work instructions are going to be uh, uh, put, I think we uh, we got to do that. Now, Ryan, you know, you've, you, we've talked a lot about the locations and also construction of more transport infrastructure, but I guess one under-discussed element is really the sustainability of the road design itself. And I was just wondering, Ryan, if you could perhaps share with us um, some of your own personal technical knowledge and insights into you know, how can we build roads more sustainably, especially on such an ecologically and also a biologically diverse and rich site as Lantau Island? There are a few things that we have to consider. One is uh, whether we're we're going to build tunnels or whether we're going to build surface roads. Obviously, tunnels uh, have a have less of an impact on the surrounding areas, but then uh, obviously the construction cost will be higher. On the other hand, uh, if you're building surface road or if we are expanding the existing roads, uh, the cost uh, will be uh, lower. But of, have a little bit more impact on the surrounding environment. Uh, that's point number one. Uh, point number two is uh, uh, is what uh, Paul has mentioned, uh, which is uh, the design itself on the road. Um, uh, we, if we are going back to the you know into Saigon roads model, that you turn the existing roads into like uh, a, a highway 
like structure, then obviously it has to have a bigger impact, uh, not only visually, but also uh, uh, fundamentally to the surrounding areas uh, as well. Uh, but then if we can uh, have a little bit more, you know, uh, green design, for, for instance, or, uh, you know, or, or we can build in other more sustainable ways, then hopefully uh, we can uh, reduce the impact uh, on the um, environment. But uh, I think at the end of the day, um, uh, what this study uh, offers is actually a uh, you know very technical uh, assessment on how to uh, I believe on how to uh, uh, at the same time uh, construct this world, but at the same time reduce the impact on the environment. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you can see the brief, I mean that would be great if we can have a discussion over the brief for the study. But I don't think we've seen it. I mean, it's been we have a general announcement. We have seen the original study recommendations, but we haven't seen what the brief is for these uh, for these improvement measures. Um, have you seen it, Ryan? Uh, no, I think I, I, the information that I received is the same as you guys and all others. I I do. Uh, I do hope the government will, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, uh, really for information on this uh, proposed study. Because you mentioned um, Kernshan Road, uh, it's steep and windy and narrow. I mean, sometimes it's difficult for two buses to pass each other, have to do it very carefully. I mean, if that road was going to be uh, enlarged, widened, that would presumably be a pretty major engineering project. Well, it would be um, if you're winding that road, and also you have to keep in mind that uh, that's on, on, on a mountain. So the moment you touch the, the road, you'll have to do slope works. And once you start doing slope works, you have to kind of do quite extensive slope works in that area because of the gradient of that mountain. So it would have a very significant impact in removal of trees and so on. So uh, any, any of that widening of that section of the road can have a, a major impact uh, immediately. Speaking of briefs, um, Paul, Ryan and Louise, uh, was any one of you consulted in the process of uh, you know, the government's uh, plans concerning Lantau Road improvements? And if so, when and how were you consulted? No, Living Ireland's movement hasn't been consulted. We do always, always ask government departments to increase public consultation. And sadly, this often is not the case. The Green Groups have made submissions to government uh, on, on some of the plans for uh, South Lantau. There used to be the development of South Lantau, the whole the Lantau Development Office, used to have regular consultation with the Green Groups, but uh, with the new terms of government, that has completely vanished. And uh, I would urge government to restart a, a, a strong consultative process with, uh, with the Green Groups and with the resident groups, uh, not just the District Council, not just the Hungry Cook. So I think we need broader consultation to make sure that... Uh, um, you know, all, all the different interests are well balanced as, as we go forward. Thank you, Paul and Ryan. Uh, I think uh, I think that this is something that should be done by the uh, sustainable office, sustainable Lantau office. I think the the whole idea of setting up this office is actually putting uh, the development of Lantau or, or the, and also the conservation of Lantau into one single office within uh, the government department, uh, within the government structures, and hopefully to coordinate uh, works with uh, different departments. And I think uh, this SLO should uh, be the you know, leading office of you know, doing all this consultation. 
Absolutely. And on that note, actually, one one question before you go, Ryan, because I know you have to leave soon. Uh, is that essentially um, to what extent are you hopeful that the the reconstruction or the deepening of improvements to Lantau Road would also facilitate economic rejuvenation on Lantau, which is a core priority of this incumbent administration? Well, I think it uh, depends on. Uh, well, uh, the, the the construction of the roads is only the means. Uh, it depends on what you're trying to achieve, right? Uh, first of all, uh, is to increase the resiliency of that area, and second of all, hopefully, is also to uh, make uh, the, 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 the residents there more convenient. And, and thirdly, then you can you can start consider uh, whether you can uh, uh, do a little bit more, you know, uh, other projects like uh, ecotourism, etc. I think um, uh, all these can help, uh, you know, rejuvenating. Uh, the whole entire area. Mm. Mm. When, when it comes to tourism, I mean, what we really got to think about is the um, is is how do we allow development? How do we control development? So in in South Lantau, we can see a lot of uh, horrible unauthorized uh, development, uh, camping grounds, uh, illegal structures, uh, uh, basically the rooting up of 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 grounds and, and covering them with 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 all kind of uh, matter of construction material just to destroy it. So we have a lot of unsettled issues, and we're we hoping that the government is going to take tr strong control. So then the, there is no problem to have more camping grounds if they're done in a proper way, the proper location. And so this is where it's so easy for government to get a bunch of highway engineers to widen a road. That's an easy, that's a one-off contract, and you sign one signature and you pay the bill. What is hard work for government is to get control over these unauthorized land users, work with the different landowners involved with, with their representative parties, including the Hung Cook and the village committees, and try to get control over that whole process, and then at the same time make the area nice. Because otherwise, we're going to open up South Lawn Tower, and we're going to say we're going to have ecotourism. But ecotourism to what? Grumpy fields with full of rubbish, and this, and and container yards, and and dilapidated structures. Nice welcome to Hong Kong, to to our destroyed lands. I mean, okay. really, we got to get government to take sure. control. Sure, we'll get more into this in a moment. We're going to take a short break for a news summary, and uh, a couple of announcements now. News with Tom Warden. An economist says Hong Kong's banking sector is mostly shielded from instability worries, but warned that doesn't mean it's fully exempt from global market volatility. Gary Ng, Asia-Pacific economist for Natixis, says regulators have acted more quickly this time around. He added that banks have generally strengthened their capital buffers since the global financial crisis. President Xi Jinping and President Putin have concluded several hours of informal talks at the Kremlin on the first day of Mr. Xi's three-day state visit to Russia. President Xi told journalists he was confident the visit would give new momentum to the healthy and stable development of Chinese-Russian relations. And a 23-year-old man has died after his motorbike reportedly lost control and hit a lamppost on Daimongjai Road in Saikung last night. The accident happened near Jamchukwan around 20 to 11. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. On the path to success, you must have heard the expression, one good turn deserves another. It's the same on the road. All road users, whether they're drivers, passengers, or pedestrians, need to be attentive, patient, and law-abiding so that road accidents can be prevented. Then everybody can share the priceless reward, which is to arrive safely. Remember, one good turn deserves another. Aim for zero accidents on the road.
I'm Dr. Edmund Lam. Seniors, the COVID-19 virus still exists in the community. As the elderly are at higher risk, for the sake of your health, don't take it lightly. Scientific data shows that those with stable health can receive COVID-19 vaccines. Take your elderly relatives to get the jab at community vaccination centers, designated general outpatient clinics, elderly health centers, private clinics, or hospital COVID-19 vaccination stations. And welcome back to Backchat with Brian Wong and me, Jim Gould. And uh, in also in the studio with us, uh, we have Paul Zimmerman, CEO of Designing Hong Kong, and on the line, uh, Louise Preston, Chairman of the Living Islands Movement, because uh, we're talking about a possible uh, upgrade to the road network on Lantau. This after the Development Secretary, uh, Bernadette Lin, said over the weekend that the uh, Sustainable Lantau Office had uh, launched a two-year feasibility study uh, into the issue. I have an email here from uh, listener Richard. It says, uh, Richard is a Lantau resident, says, uh, as a long-term resident of Lantau, I'd invite those who believe the development of Lantau to be sustainable to come and see how the East Lantau Valley has been completely denuded and become a complete industrial site, commercial vehicle parking, and that was before the extensive wrecking of the environment to build yet more apartment blocks, diverted river courses, slope stabilisation, inverted commas, and spraying of toxins, ostensibly for mosquito control, which has a knock-on effect on other wildlife. The human encroachment and litter, dumping, abandoned cars and wanton destruction that injecting 10,000 people into an area causes. All this has happened in just five years. With the next five apartment blocks at East Lantau Valley, is just another urban heat island. Uh, that from uh, Richard, uh, who says uh, this is not sustainable and please do not claim otherwise. Um, I guess uh, for uh, people also living on the uh, the south side of Lantau, who obviously haven't, haven't seen major development, there's a, but there's a lot of ribbon development going along there, uh, isn't there, uh, Louise Preston? A number of a number of plots where uh, you know sort of different type of like low rises going on but um, there's quite a lot of it isn't there along the south side of the island yes that's that's certainly um, a, a fair assessment uh, there are also major developments going on um, for example in Shekmun Cap on the Tung Chung side of the mountain and also potential new major developments in Moi Wo and I, I just go back to what Paul said earlier about the importance of looking at any potential development in a holistic way and seeing the potential danger of obliterating the very ecological and historical environment that people come here to visit. So, what, what, is there any sort of um, you know any, any sort of development like like for instance like you know nicely organised campsites or or ecology tours or that that sort of thing that you would be in favour of? Well, these are part of the, the plan that we're looking forward to hearing about from the Sustainable Land Tower Office. Mm. I think they're due to um, release the um, potential details of the plan for 1,000 hectares of ecological tourism uh, in the second half of this year. Mm -hmm. And they have mentioned to us uh, having um, sustainable camping and, and ecotourism facilities. But the details have not been spelt out yet. 
Now, Paul, we've talked a lot about um, tourism, ecotourists, uh, visitors and footfall at large coming into Latin Tower. But I was just wondering, in terms of the actual attitudes and preferences of residents on the island, um, what can you tell us about what, what folks living in South Lantau are thinking and what, are, what do they want out of uh, the redevelopment programme or proposal? Well, it depends whether they're landowners or not landowners. I mean, the, uh, uh, the ones who are not landowners or, or have a small house uh, themselves, they love to keep the idyllic, quiet environment and, and love to see things untouched. Um, the, uh, the, the ones who own, who own land there, and, and there's, there's many different groups that do, uh, not just the Hungry Cook, but also some developments, uh, organizations, there are companies that have, have, have bought land there. And they love to see the opening up and they like to see the value of those property, those those properties go up. So, so there, there are two sides to this to this discussion. But the government has agreed that it's going to. They want a sustainable. They want to keep the 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 identity of South Lantau as, as an eco-friendly environment. So then we need to see how the government will do that. And uh, as I said before, the the news. Um, there is a lot of stuff going on there that is out of control, and for government to take control over over the uh, over the whole area, the moment you get these new developments going up, which is was zoned for and and, and was expected, so uh, you know it's it's shocking to see. Uh, uh, and I agree with the listeners; it's big scars. I fly over it with my paraglider; I can see it. Um, they, they, but they were on on the zoning plan, so you know we have to look on what's on the plan and not just what what is there. And then that is that is happening so that's bringing in more traffic and more people but more traffic also means that these people need their car parking they need servicing then people the villages will set up some whatever a, a work yard and they basically occupy a piece of land and it becomes a storage area and what you see with this increase in economic development that because of the lack of control over the, the land users around it these environmentally sensitive land users you see a lot of crap coming in and the moment the economic development goes up because you put more developments next door to it the more of these beautiful sites are being crapped over uh, by by local businesses and so that's where the government needs to take control otherwise it's just it's just a, a red game you know you put in a new development the, the neighbors next door they put up a junkyard to deal with the junk that comes out of that new development and then it just goes on and on and on and then the land just rots away so we need to see government to really, really take strong uh, land control measures. Uh, well, let's ask Louise Preston. I mean, you're chairman of the Living Islands Movement. I mean, uh, in terms of the people who live there, you know, what, what do the people want? Certainly what our members of Living Islands Movement want is for the unique environment to be preserved. Mm. There mm -hmm. are other people who have different wishes, for example, who would like to see economic development on South Lantau. Uh, and is there, do you, do you have to deal with uh, much of a conflict between those different interests? I think yeah. there will always yeah. be conflicts, yeah. and, and there are between um, people who live here and some mm. of the tourism plans. Mm. Mm. And what, what would you like to see from what uh, um, Paul Zimmerman was uh, just saying about ha haphazard uh, development and, and the despoiling of, uh, of lands and, uh, and like, you know, the buffalo fields and what have you? I mean, what, what, um, what action would you like to see taken in terms of pre preservation of those areas? I'd like to see much more visible public consultation before any major development mm -hmm. plans are proposed. Mm -hmm. At the moment... 
public consultation has been reduced to almost zero for very, very major developments that affect South Lantau. And what the people who live here want is to be consulted on their views. And that, 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 but that includes also that the government has to communicate more clearly what is already in the plans. I mean, I think that the, the uh, including myself, uh, we were all quite surprised by the development that at the bottom of Tung Chung Road near Changsha, with uh, where all these new uh, property developments going up, all these luxury uh, units coming up. Uh, but they've been on the outline zoning plan for a very long time. So I think that all of, all of that comes to a lack of communication between government and uh, and the residents of Lantau about where everything is going and I, I totally agree with Louise that's the kind that's what we need to see from the sustainable development office of for Lantaro was set up for that purpose and uh, they've been extremely quiet now COVID is over there's no more excuse national security is in place there's no more excuse I mean we now need to see government to take a real proactive commu communicative relationship with the residents and the people that are interested in in uh, the the living environment in Hong Kong both of you highlighted that there exists rifts between you know, different interest groups always. and also residents, as always. And um, obviously, one recourse is look to the government. But is there a possibility that uh, maybe, just maybe, we can organise closed room salons, dialogues, and deliberations, bring together uh, mm -hmm. representatives from these different groups, including property and real estate developers, but also um, folks who have a stronger, more pro development or rather pro opening up economic interest, uh, having them talk to and discuss with local residents and have them hear out the concerns of folks who are, as Paul said, you know, looking for an idyllic countryside uh, life, really. Have these efforts been undertaken? Is it easy to, to put these deliberative platforms together, you think? Well, the, the, the district councils uh, have kind of stopped functioning um, in, in that respect. So, uh, so there, is, there is a lack of communication right now, and, and we hope that, that that can improve and increase. I, I think the problem is not so much with the where you have already made decisions and where you already have plans in place. The problem is really with where you haven't made any decisions and where things are festering and rotting. So where there is these, these use, for example, on the buffalo fields in, in Puyol, um, government just fails to control the creeping development of containers and landfilling and so on that is taking place because it's vague. They they don't have full control there. They so and they haven't taken the action to take full control. So you have on both sides these um, uh, expectations of what you can do and what you can't do that are basically divergent and it's, there's no clarity on it what you can and can't do. So things are just being pushed and pulled and that that leads to rot that leads to container yards. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, I'm not allowed to build here, but I can put a container here, or I'd put a container here. I'm not allowed to touch the field. Oh, but filling is okay. So I put a lot of rubbish on the field. So, And that, that is really very, very damaging, that rot. You, you'd rather have a well... Uh, articulated plan and then you implement according to that plan that you have discussed and agreed rather than that, that all these fringe developments that are just creating rot and disaster. Mm. Uh, another email here from a listener, Richard, says, uh, so is the permit restriction on Tung Chung Road past uh, Sekmun Cap 
uh, opening up the road to any and all vehicles. If not, why bother widening the road? It's not even busy with two lanes, so how will two la more lanes uh, do anything? Um, um, d does he have a point there? I mean, uh, there's limited, uh, limited access for vehicles on that road, so if you're going to retain the permit restriction, why, why bother widening it? Well, I would assume the government is going to retain the, uh, the permit system on the, for, for vehicle access of Lantau. Um, the question is how many permits? <laughs> and so uh, there is always pressure on government to issue more permits, and they, and they will love to issue more permits because more permits, more cars, more cars, more business, more development. So there is a line there, and there's, a, there's an interest group that constantly pushes for it. Um, the, the other one that we have is that as we build more units, there are more electricity meters, and every electricity meter is another car permit. So even if the people may not have a car, they can trade that permit. They can al allow other people to use the permit, not that it's legal, but <laughs> it's just what happens. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a flexible field. So you need to get clarity on this, and government got to be very straightforward with, uh, with where we're going to go. So there's clarity for everybody, so people start pulling and pushing on all sides. Um, Louise Preston, you mentioned earlier uh, the bus service uh, on Lantau, on the south of Lantau. I mean, I know sometimes it's it's very difficult for local residents to actually get on the bus because they're, they're already full by the time they get there. I mean, w w would you have any su celest suggested uh, solution to that situation? Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, increasing the number of ferry services mm. and ferry routes, for mm -hmm. example, from Tung Chung to Taiyo. And I understand that Sustainable Land Tower Office might be looking to using potential ferry routes from Moiwo to the South Land Tower recreational beach areas. And this would relieve pressure on the South Land Tower Road, which is already congested beyond capacity. Mm. But presumably that would be most effective on weekends when you have a lot of visitors, but uh, uh, what about um, during weekdays when there aren't so many tourists there? The, the bus issue is not so acute during the week mm. as at the weekends, mm. so mm. I am referring to weekend um, mm. traffic in, mm. in particular. Mm. Yeah, and then that's because the, our model for ferry services is, is based on a private, uh, private profit enterprise, and so that doesn't really work if you have a, a, a you need the ferry capacity to lay idle for the whole week. Then who is going to pay for that, and how's how's that going to be paid for? And that's a real issue. But Paul, it's a lot cheaper than building a tunnel through I, a mountain. I, I, to I totally agree with you. What I'm saying is the then government needs to come up with a system for it and recognise it. So currently. Uh, infrastructure gets paid for um, um, in, and we have a fund for it and government can easily do it they don't have a system for subsidizing ferries because that once they start subsidizing ferries here then how they're going to subsidize the other ferries and, and we need to change your mindset on, on making sure that this can happen Okay, well, thank you both uh, very much for uh, talking to us uh, on uh, Backchat this morning. Uh, that was Paul Zimmerman, CEO of Designing Hong Kong, and uh, Louise Preston, Chairman of the Living Islands Movement. And earlier on, we heard from uh, Ryan Yip of the Our Hong Kong Foundation. Um, but um, uh, stay with us because we're going to move on to our second topic uh, in just a moment after this. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Happy 95th birthday, RTHK! Thank you for 95 years of public broadcasting service. Keep up the amazing work. I'm Janice Wailan.
Ninety-five years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say. And for our second uh, topic this morning, uh, we're going to be uh, looking into the results uh, of a study led by uh, scientists from the Baptist University on COVID-19 infection. And uh, it's hoped that this could lead to more effective uh, treatments, especially for those with uh, weak immune systems and uh, and people who are unable, for whatever reason, uh, to take the vaccine. Uh, we're joined now on the line by Dr. Xavier Wong, Assistant Professor of the Teaching and Research Division at the School of Chinese Medicine at uh, HKBU. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Um, yeah, I, I was reading your uh, media release. Uh, um, it's it's quite quite technical actually about uh, infectivity and and so on and uh, and the results that it can have for certain people and and also suggestions of of certain um, new treatments that could be introduced um, uh, to deal with uh, COVID nineteen. So um, could you just kind of uh, give us a, a summary and overview and take us through it once more? Yes, thank you. Um, <clears throat> um, uh, in the current situation, uh, you, although the vaccination can protect the people against COVID-19 and its potential complications, but it is not always effective in the individuals with the weak immune systems or against some uh, COVID-19 uh, variants of concerns like uh, Omicron or Delta uh, variants. So. Uh, the development of a more effective treatment for the COVID-19 remains a huge challenge um, in these uh, situations. So basically, in our study, we try to understand the cell entry mechanisms of the virus, and, and hopefully through this research, we can identify a new pharmacopoeic targets for the treatment of the COVID-19. In this study, uh, we have identified that a protease in the body as a major hoax factor contributing to the, um, to the pathogenesis of uh, the COVID-19. In this study, we found that this protease will release a receptor or, uh, of the virus, and these receptors will carry the virus into uh, the cells. So basically, and, uh, the, in this study, we have identified a mechanism by which the virus will hijack the protease in our host body to uh, to promote its infectivity. Mm. And uh, more importantly, we also found that uh, inhibition of, uh, of this protease by an antagonist can effectively reduce uh, the viral infections in both uh, the uh, cell-based study and also in the animal models. At the same time, it can also reduce uh, the mortality and also the complications associated with the infections. So, so this is wonderful, and just for the audience's purpose, um, just to clarify this, because it, it strikes us this is not a vaccine, obviously, but it's also not necessarily a cure. But would you say, perhaps, um, Xavier, it's more like an ameliorative, ameliorative treatment that worsens or reduces the, the severity of symptoms of those who are infected? Uh, basically, uh, we basically we can... Uh, these are our our uh, our identified drugs can help uh, the patients uh, uh, to uh, to reduce the infectivity of the virus. At the same time, it can also reduce the severity of the infections. Hmm. 
I see. And is it? Do you think? Um, what stage of the research are you currently in? So, would you say it's uh, almost good to go to be launched on mass, or at least in a more widespread pilot uh, program in hospitals in Hong Kong? Or, or do you say you still need uh, more time? Uh, at this stage, it is uh, still a pilot study, uh, showing uh, 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 with our findings with the animal study. So in the next stage, we are going to test our drugs uh, in the uh, in the primate models, like in the monkey, and then after that, we can uh, we can maybe further validate our findings, maybe in uh, uh, in the uh, in human patients. That's excellent, because um, in, in the case of the the pandemic, an ongoing debate really is about you know is it reasonable was it fair to say maybe sometimes in developing treatments or drugs we might have to just skip or accelerate the the uh, sort of experimental stages just so that we can uh, culminate at or produce the treatment and drug more effectively and efficiently and i was just wondering xavier what do you make of this argument that we should just speed up and expedite the process of you know drug and treatment research or do you instead think it's imperative that we stick to you know existing protocol concerning you know rigorous trials and you know, having having fully fleshed out phases for each of them or each of these stages of uh, drug testing and trials uh i think in the future basically uh we can uh we can uh, uh we can uh, basically we can further um uh look into the I think we can. Uh, I think we can put more resources in looking at the, uh, the identifying uh, the, uh, the mechanism by which the virus would 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 make the impact in the human beings, and also how it can cause uh, the pathogenesis and also other complications in the human patients. Through this kind of research, we can know uh, how we can combat these uh, virus infections uh, in the patients and which can eventually lead to the, uh, the development of the new pharmaceutics for the, for the treatment of the disease. Mm. Mm. So you've worked out uh, uh, or have a better understanding of how the virus actually gets into human cells, but uh, once that knowledge is established, um, how long does it usually take then before you know, uh, new forms of uh, treatment can be developed? expectations uh, 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 from our expectation because we, uh, we initiated the study about one year ago and right now we have published our findings and then uh, we have completed our uh, our animal studies with these findings and the next stage we are going to uh, uh, to move to the next stage uh, for the clinical child for the clinical trials in both the primate models and also maybe in the human beings so we, we, we estimated that it will take about one or two years uh, and then we can move on to the next stage for the uh, for the human testing. Mm, mm. Uh, and you've stressed that um, uh, such uh, the development of such treatments is uh, it remains a huge challenge, um, but it's very important in what you call the post-vaccine era. That's the era that we're living in now. I mean, most of us are, are vaccinated uh, at least mm, twice. Yes. Many of us, many of us, many more. Um, um, do you know sort of how many people uh, may be or what proportion of the population uh, would benefit from this new form of treatment? Uh, it, 
uh, it can also be uh, maybe effective against to other coronavirus in the future because our identified receptor is also an entry receptor for for many such virus with the similar uh, with the similar cell entry mechanisms. So. Uh, so uh, we will have uh, uh, more uh, further research or experiments on this uh, on, on this drug in the future. Now, the inevitable question that comes up concerns costs and also the prices of the treatment. So I'm aware that you're still in a relatively early stage of the uh, the entire process, but we're just wondering, would you or your team have any rough estimates of how affordable and economical this treatment is, which presumably would bear directly on, you know, where not the government here or beyond and abroad uh, adopts this treatment? Um... Uh at this, at this stage, because we are still in the experimental stages, so in the next stage, we will have to rather validate the uh, the efficacy and also the effectiveness of these drugs uh, in the uh, in the clinical trials. So at this stage, I think uh, 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 it is uh, it is still un- uh, unpredictable at this moment. Mm. Now, you, you also mentioned that uh, you obtained consistent results. Um, uh, against uh, the original strain of uh, COVID-19 as well as uh, uh, others such as Delta and Omicron. So from what you were saying, um, does that mean if uh, new strains emerge, this this kind of treatment could be uh, just as effective against those as well? Uh, yes, uh, I can say because two major challenges when it comes to the developing the COVID-19 drugs are how to enhance the treatment results for the patient with the weakened immune systems and also how to maintain the job uh, efficacy and also effectiveness across different uh, variants of the concerns. But we, our standings uh, demonstrated that this drug has a good potential to, put, to become an effective drug for, uh, for the treatment of COVID-19 because it would antagonize the activities of the proteins of the uh, hoax factors for the, uh, for the cell energy of the virus instead of boosting the immunity of the patients or acting directly on the virus. So we believe that uh, this just this may be also uh, effective for other um, uh, 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 variants of the concern of the virus in the future. Mm. I mean, could it also be a useful treatment against uh, other viruses? Yes, I think so. Because uh, uh, our identified that uh, receptors for the for the COVID nineteen is indeed and is also an uh, a uh, entry receptor for many uh, uh, virus with the similar cell entry mechanisms. So we believe that uh, the drugs we identified as may be also effective for the treatments of other diseases caused by uh, by other virus with the similar cell entry mechanisms. That's wonderful. And uh, just to situate this in amidst the, sort of the global field uh, or your, your contemporaries, uh, are there other similar studies being carried around, out around the world right now? And if not, presumably you'd be a, this is a pretty pioneering and groundbreak, groundbreaking uh, discovery. And, and in that case, congratulations to you and your team. Uh, yes, I think this is a very, uh, it's a groundbreaking finding in our team because basically we have, uh, we are one of the first teams to identify that, uh, 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 to show that, uh, the virus will hijack, uh, the, the host protease, uh, to control this inf- infectivity. At the same time, we also found that our identified drugs, uh, is more effective than other commercial 
commercially available drugs mm. in the treatment of the COVID-19 in the animal testing. Okay. So basically, I think uh, uh, these drugs may be a uh, very useful for the treatment of the COVID-19 in okay. the future. All right. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us on the program this morning. Uh, Dr. Xavier Wong, Assistant Professor of the Teaching and Research Division at the School of Chinese Medicine, HKBU. Thanks to our listeners and thanks to uh, guest presenter Brian Wong.